Hi everyone, we're continuing on in 2 Timothy for our devotions, and today we'll be looking at chapter 3, 1 through 15. And so starting from the beginning, we'll see about the last days. In verse 1 it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Verse 2 says, For people will be lovers of self. And the rest of verses 1 through 8 of 2 Timothy 3 describe it in detail of why the last days will be difficult. I was struck by how this list starts with lovers of self. The root of all evil is the I problem, which is another way of saying sin, which we talk about in Course 101. Whenever we put ourselves first, rather than putting what God wants or commands of us in the Bible first, or putting the interest of others first, this is called sin. Sin at its core is self-centeredness, and when we are lovers of self, then every other sin is much easier to justify. I didn't help my roommate because I was stressed for a midterm. I didn't want to pay for the meal because I have to pay off my bills for the month, even though everyone else also has the same excuses. So what's going to get us out of ourselves and our love for ourselves? It will have to start with that self-denial that Jesus says is crucial for all who follow him. In Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. To go against the ways of the world and deny ourselves our desires, that will further our self-interest feels like death, but that is the main reason why living a Christian life will be so difficult. Sometimes when we look at the list of words in verses 2 through 4, we think that it's an indictment against this world. But then you come to verse 5 and it says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And saying the people that Paul is addressing here are those who have the appearance of godliness. In other words, the church. People who go to church on Sundays, read the Bible, who serve, who know how to sing the songs, the ones in whom the world would look at as godly. And it says that they have this appearance and yet they deny its power. There's a sense that godliness should have a sway in their lives. And yet it turns out that rather than lovers of God, they are still very much like this world. Lovers of self, lovers of pleasure. And what they're saying here is that it's not so much about appearance of our outward action, but it's a problem here of what you love. Lover of self and things of this world or lover of God. The problem here is they've only been transformed in their behavior not in what they value and not what they love. Paul says that when we love God and follow his word, it ought to make a difference in all of our life, and especially our values and desires. And I think that's the challenge here for us. Has his word made that kind of difference in our lives? Does it have this kind of power? Is there evidence of God and his word changing what we value or are we denying its power? Has the word of God caused us to have a heart toward others rather than just for ourselves? Generosity of time and money because we see how these things are temporary compared with people's souls. Working hard even when no one sees just because God does. Are we telling the truth all these ways? And so our choices in our life, what does it reflect? Does godliness, does God's word have power in our life? And then we see this other interesting verse in verse 7. It says that they're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. What is it that causes someone to always be learning and yet not arrive at this knowledge of the truth? What is it that opposes the power of God? We'll see that this is describing people in verse 6, who are weak, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions. I think one thing we can see here is that our desires affect belief. If we're filled with a desire for sin, or we want to go after different fleshly passions, then it becomes convenient if Christianity is not true. As you think about it, many times what is it that causes people to turn away? Is it because there is some new reason that they discovered that convinces them that Christianity is not true? No, more often than not, there's shameful sin that they don't want to deal with anymore. 
or various passions that they want to give themselves to, where it'd be much more convenient if the voices of truth were no longer present. It causes them to doubt and to move away. So though they hear, they're never able to arrive at a true knowledge of what is real. And so how are we not to give into that? Because I think all of us, we face that temptation. You know, just to hear the word of God weekly is not enough. Later on in this passage, it shows us how. First of all, it has to do with our relationships. Who are we relating with? Who is our reference point? In verse 5, it says, avoid people who live this surface level of Christianity. We are to reject them as a reference point and follow the pattern of those who live according to the pattern of the gospel. People like Paul, whose conduct, aim in life, love, and suffering reflect the life of Christ. They are the ones to whom we need to relate with, to aspire after. And then in verse 14, we have to be reminded to continue on in what we know through the help of others in our life. And finally, verse 15, to become acquainted with the word of God, daily ingestion of his words so that we can push against the other voices and desires that are within us. And in that way, we can learn and then arrive at the knowledge of the truth. In verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Only those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Because if you're trying to follow Jesus and live a godly life, it will go against the course of this world system that says, me first. And one way this is true, even in our context, is if you're trying to live a godly life in college, is you can't do whatever everyone else is doing. You can't go to parties, engage in sexual immorality, or things that lead up to that. And you will face maybe not persecution like the early Christians, but some humiliation, mockery, feeling diminished, not cool, not with it, or just awkwardness. But at the same time, we know that these quote-unquote persecutions are an indication that we are at least trying to live a godly life. So for those of us who call ourselves Christian in college, I challenge you to consider in what ways have you experienced some awkwardness or difficulties because of your faith. If you can't name anything, then that may be an indication that maybe we are not desiring to live a godly life in college. And then it comes to verse 14, it says, But as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. I think there's a really interesting exhortation, because if you think about it, if you've already learned it and firmly believed in something, why do you have to be told to continue in those things? And yet our experience tells us that even if we're convinced of something, how often do we actually do it and persist in it? And I can be convinced I need to lose weight, and yet how quickly I can justify or allow myself to not live in accordance with that. For all of us who are Christians, we know the truth of the Bible. We're convinced of heaven and hell. We need to share the gospel. And yet over time, those convictions wane. The sense of urgency, it fades. On top of that, like we read it before, we feel the other voices and pleasures of this world tugging at us. And then the difficulty of life, Christian life, just as Judy shared, as we face persecutions or we need to do things for which the other people in this world do not. It's easy to lose sight of what you believe and become convinced of. And that's why we really need faith. Faith is something as defined by C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, as the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. Day to day, we're gonna have different things tugging at us, pulling at us, but what this is saying is, as for you, you need to continue to hold on to the things that you believe to be true. Remind yourself of those things and be able to put that into practice through holding on despite whatever else may be going on around us. And that's how we are to hold on and to firmly believe what we have come to know. And so that's one thing I really want to exhort myself as well as each one of us today. All right, I think that's all we have. Talk to you later. Bye.